place it comfortably. So this is our last full day of session and this is the last Dharma talk that I give. And it also happens to be Good Friday. And so this talk is centred around Good Friday. And my question is, what is it that's good about Good Friday? Um, if you read some um, history about this, people think maybe it was called Good Friday because good is actually a, um, a, 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 deep, a, a variation on the word God. It was God Friday and became Good Friday. Or um, other people saw that um, it was a good day because it was the day when um, God brought his um, son into the world to save the world. And so therefore it was good. But in answer to the question, what is good about Good Friday, if we respond to it from a Zen point of view, and I'm quoting an old teacher, every day is a good day. But first of all, let's just look at um, Easter. Um, whether we identify with being Christian or, or not being Christian, um, the fact is we've been brought up in a culture where the Christ story, the Jesus story, is a very, very powerful story which influences all of our culture in, in many different ways. And um, uh, it's like all stories that are good stories and stories that endure. It's not just one-dimensional, it's actually multi-dimensional. And when you even look at um, you know, the, the way we celebrate Easter, um, we celebrate it with hot cross buns and we celebrate it with eggs, Easter eggs, and chocolate Easter eggs at that. And everything's mixed up together. So the, the eggs actually represent fertility and the chocolate, well, chocolate's chocolate, you know, kind of wicked. <laughs> and, um, and yet you've got hot cross buns, which represent, you know, the cross on which Jesus died. So it's this great, it's this big mixture of paganism and Christianity all mixed up together. <laughs> and um, to thicken the plot, here we are doing a Zen Buddhist retreat in a Christian monastery on Good Friday. Um, if you look at the history, if you've read anything about the, the, the history of those times, you know, and the Roman history and, um, and the emergence of Christianity, um, you see, particularly if you go to Rome, if any of you ever have visited Rome, um, or if you do in the future, you will see that you have monuments like the Colosseum, this huge building, which when you go there is very, very disturbing when you remember the history of it and when, what went on in there. And um, you have the Colosseum, which is kind of like a theatre of cruelty and brutality and violence. And then in the centuries that emerged after that, as you see in the buildings of, the, of Rome, Rome is filled with all these basilicas, you know, all of these beautiful churches. Um, you know, 
beautifully kind of beautiful architecture, beautiful atmosphere inside, and they evoke a theatre of compassion and love. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like you see kind of an, maybe some kind of evolution occurring from this more extreme kind of animalistic brutality to something emerging around that time through the figure of Christ to something moving towards more, something that's more loving and compassionate mm -hmm. and not just based on, on brute survival and sadism. Some shift in consciousness that occurred at that time and then it spreads quite significantly throughout the world. Now I um, went into the library down there to reacquaint myself with the story of Jesus and, uh, and just to briefly run through it. He was considered to be the king of the Jews and he became a very, very popular spiritual leader um, in what is, now every, what is now Israel and the establishment, the Pharisees started to get jealous of his popularity so they wanted to get rid of him and so they ended up getting him arrested and it's that time you know, that we, the, the sayings that come out that we were all so familiar with. He was betrayed with a Judas kiss for 30 pieces of silver. And he was betrayed by Peter three times before the cock croaked twice. Mm -hmm. And Pontius Pilate, who first of all thought he was an innocent man, you know, and, and uh, didn't really want to see him um, harmed in any way, sort of gave it up and washed the blood off his hands, washed, him, washed his hands of any responsibility. And so then he's taken away and um, he's put up on a cross and he's crucified, which apparently is an extremely painful way to die and slow way to die. And he has two criminals on either side of him. And one of the criminals mocks him as he's up there hanging on the cross and says, you know, well, if the king of the Jews and you can, you can, you've got all these powers, why can't you save yourself? He's mocking him. But the other criminal um, is contrite um, and remorseful about his crimes and so on and realises that his death is about to come and, and he asks um, to be saved by Jesus and asks him, um, when will I be in paradise? And um, one version is, is that Jesus said, you will be in paradise by tomorrow morning. But we'll come back to that a bit later. So that's the story. And then, of course, to follow it through, this all happened on Good Friday. And then on Sunday, um, there's the resurrection. You know, he disappears from the tomb and then he's seen in the days and weeks later as a Jesus, the man again, interacting with his disciples and eating fish with them and fishing and telling them where to fish and so on. And then he disappears from there. It's a powerful story whether we believe it or not. And it's affected so many people you know, and it's been an inspiration to so many people through the years. Anyway, that happened in the year around about zero AD, no, 33 AD. Mm -hmm. Fast forward seven centuries later to China 
and there is a Zen priest with his monks gathered around him in China, probably never even heard of Christ or Christianity at all. And he gathers his monks around him and he says, um, I do not ask you about 15 days ago, but what about 15 days hence? Can't say a word about this, but none of the monks could answer. So he answered for himself, every day is a good day. Now, to give some context to this, um, apparently in the Chinese character, it's a lunar month. So when Unwon was referring to 15 days ago, he's referring to the event of the full moon. And the full moon is a metaphor uh, for realisation or enlightenment. So if you put it in context, what um, Unmon was saying is don't give me a word about enlightenment. Tell, give me a word about after enlightenment. Don't tell me about when you've awakened. Tell me about after you've awakened. Say something about that. Or I could say, don't tell me about you know, a matter of clarity or insight. Well, don't tell me about what happens during session. What about after session? Mm -hmm. And we go back to our everyday lives. Every day is a good day. And um, if we return back to these uh, two criminals, beside Jesus on the cross um, and one wants to be saved and says, when will I be in paradise? And Jesus says in some versions, you'll be in paradise by tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm. But Soen Roshan, who was a Zen teacher, one of Robert Aitken's um, Zen teachers and, and close friend, found didn't, he read this when he was reading into Christianity and he thought, mm, that doesn't sound quite right, from a Zen perspective anyway. So he explored more and he researched and he found that in the Russian Orthodox version of what happens, the, um, Jesus' reply to the criminal is not you'll be in paradise by tomorrow morning, it's that you are in paradise right now. You're in heaven right now. Even just hanging on the cross. You're in heaven right now. Every day is a good day. How could every day be a good day when you're hanging on the cross in pain? Um, Soen Roshi, by the way, I met Soen Roshi just um, a very brief encounter with Soen Roshi when I first went to Japan. And he was the, um, the um, abbot of Ryu Takuji, which is Hakuin's old temple. And um, I was in my 20s, and, uh, and uh, I stayed there overnight, and then I woke up early in the morning to do zazen with the monks. And being a very tall gaijin, foreigner, um, in these Zen monasteries with very low ceilings, when I was getting ready, I my head came up suddenly I hit it on one of the beams. And at the same time, Soen Roshi was walking past. As I hit my head on the beam, oh, yeah. 
And I remember, I remember it so clearly. So and Roshi looked at me with such a, such a heartfelt sense of compassion and empathy, like, oh, you know. And then immediately walked on. Right? <laughs> like I got two seconds of intense compassion and then it's passed. Right? So it's a bit like um, when parents uh, deal with children who've fallen over and scraped their, their knee. You know, they go, oh, do you know that's really bad? And they give their knee. No, you're right. Anyway, <laughs> off you go. Um, no, no, no indulgence in empathy. Just right in that moment, just really, really full on, like 100% compassion and then moving on. Back to Zazen. But um, Soen Roshi um, brought up this issue of the Russian Orthodox version of your own paradise now in relation to a koan, um, which is in the moon, <coughs> which is called Seize Alone and Destitute, which was one of my favourite koans. And uh, the, if I paraphrase it, the, the koan goes something like this. Seize was a a senior monk who had been someone of some standing, he'd been practicing for a long time. And he came to his teacher and he said, I'm Seize, I am alone and destitute. How can you help me? Um, in other words, he was going through some really dark experience, some experience like what we were calling Christianity, the dark night of the soul, like a, just an empty place of despair, you know feeling like he's not moving forward in his practice, maybe. No, no sense of joy about, about practice. And then, so he says, my name is Seite, alone and destitute. How can you help me, teacher? And um, his teacher says, Honourable Seite. And Seite says, yes, teacher. And then his teacher says, you've just drunk three cups of the finest wine in China. And still you say that your lips have not been moistened. Anyway, I'll leave that for you as a comment if you come to it one day. But a good response. And uh, if my memory serves me correctly, Seve was awakened with those words. He saw into what those words were pointing towards. So whether we're the criminal next to Jesus on the cross, um, or we're safely alone and destitute going through our own dark night of the soul through Zen practice. Every day is a good day. In other words, if we put it in plain English, is that as human beings, we have life just happening as it is, life just as it is, and yet we bring all of this reactivity to it, and we bring all of this thinking of whether this is good for me or bad for me or whether it's right or wrong. And this is all of the projection that we put onto our everyday life. Not only is every day a good day, but every moment is a good moment if we see into what is just happening right now before the mind responds with all of its reactivity. That's why every day is a good day. There is a, um, a Buddhist teaching which you've heard me talk about many times 
And I, I, I really think it's such a wonderful teaching, so I come back to it. And that is the teaching of the eight worldly winds, the, the forces that kind of um, blow us around in life. Uh, to use another Zen metaphor, we're like, we're like ghosts being blown around in this wind, trying to cling to bushes and grasses, mm-hmm. trying to cling to concepts of right and wrong and good and bad, you know, being saved or not saved. And they are, those eight winds come in four pairs. There is pleasure and pain, gain and loss, praise and blame and obscurity and what we're driven by in our life is trying to stay in the state of mind of the the top of those two pairs pleasure, gain, praise, fame mm-hmm. trying to avoid the, the ones below the line and that's our constant pursuit dividing the world up into good and bad it's good when I'm gaining it's bad when I'm losing it's good when I'm being recognised it's not good when I'm not being recognised that's what we're all driven by Mm -hmm. and our practice is to be realised we don't need to be blown around by those eight winds it's a really good teaching really good teaching to clarify it a little bit more um To say that every day is a good day is kind of like a teaching that comes from what's referred to as the absolute principle in Zen. Everything just is what it is, without discrimination. And yet, we all have to recognise as a fact that we do live in a world where there's gain and loss. We experience it. There is gain and loss. Mm -hmm. We do live in a world where there is pleasure and pain. We do live in a world where there's praise and blame. We do live in a world where there's fame and obscurity. They coexist. So it's not as though we, 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 we think we're, we're transcending this, but rather we're saying, seeing things from another perspective. In the midst of gain and loss, there's no gain and loss. If we're truly just there in, in the moment, that doesn't come into play, and yet it's actually happening. This is the so-called paradox of understanding life, is that these language sort of fails to really give it, do justice to it or really explain it. But that is, that is the way life is. There is gain and loss in the relative world, and yet there's another way of being with that where you're not blown around by it. Mm-hmm. And you develop a sense of equanimity and compassion within it. To come back to Easter, it's the um, recognition, it's the celebration of a man's death, the end of his life. In this case, an innocent man's life. But it's a celebration of a death. And if we really pick up the spirit of Easter, surely one, what one must do is contemplate one's own death. And we don't know when we're going to die. We don't know how we're going to die. But we know we're going to die. Mm-hmm. 
and what happens at the moment of death. You will be able to say every day is a good day, or we'll just say it's terrible, it's a bad day. What will be our experience when it comes to our time to die? Um, you often hear stories, and think some of them are true stories, of people like um, uh, who are members of the mafia, like Italians who are members of the mafia who have grown up in a Catholic country. So here they are, like the criminals next to Jesus on the cross. They're criminals. They've been caught up in extortion and murder and violence and so on. And sometimes you hear stories of, of um, mafia members that led this criminal kind of life and then towards the end of their life, maybe, maybe because they've got a terminal illness or whatever, is there some kind of turning around and, to put it in Christian terms, they make their peace with God. Now when we read those stories, we think, how unfair. These people can just murder and pillage, do you know, and ruin other people's lives. And then towards the end of life, they just decide they'll make peace with God. God, how unfair, how outrageous. Uh -huh. And you even, even in, a, in a more everyday sense, you know, um, just there are, there are criminals, people who, who have had really, um, you know, done bad things to other people. Um, there, there are people who somehow see the light and their life is transformed by Christianity or Buddhism or whatever it might be. Something, even people in the midst of darkness have this capacity for turning around. And even in my own um, clinical practice, I, I see quite a few people at the moment, um, I keep referring their friends to me, who are people who've been um, drug addicts or alcoholics really been in the very dark side of life, caught up in, in criminality and um, robbery, have gone to jail, have got tattoos all over them, da da da, and, and they've transformed their lives. You know, they've been, they've been um, reformed addicts for 20 years, leading really wonderful lives and really wonderful human beings. One of, as much as we may be anti-Christianity or for or whatever, one of the great teachings in Christianity is that despite where we are in the darkness, we all have this capacity for awakening. We, we all have this capacity for transformation. It's there, the seed is there in all of us it can, if it can be awakened. And you find the same thing in Zen and in Buddhism too. And while the wording may be different, you know, it points towards something which is the same. Whereas in Christianity, we, we may refer to people being in a state of sin, and, you know, and then they're, they're saved, you know, by the light of Christianity. But in the Dharma world, we see it as um, ignorance. Uh, we may not use the word sin, it's kind of like ignorance. To use another popular saying from that time when Jesus was um, crucified and he was um, being, being uh, flogged by the Roman soldiers and so on. Forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm -hmm. 
Buddhism is placed on that principle, kind of, we don't know, we don't know what we're doing. We're in a state of ignorance, and that state of ignorance is a state of this conceptual cloud of right and wrong, good and bad, projected onto everything. We don't know what we're doing. And like in Christianity, we practice. We, 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 we can practice. We're in the darkness, but we can come into the light. Right? There's, a, there's a light shine, you know, there's some kind of awakening. Sometimes it's like the gradual awakening of the dawn, you know, gradually, like in this room in the morning where it just sort of gradually gets lighter. Sometimes it's like a light just popping on. You know, it doesn't matter what it is, but the light emerges. Sometimes a gradual awakening, sometimes a sudden awakening. But there's some kind of awakening when we come into the light. But that's not the end of the matter. Because there's another step. And that's to see the light within the dark. Mm -hmm. To see that within this world of everyday happening where just the wabi-sabi of everyday life, the simplicity of everyday life. Mm -hmm. um, in the midst of greed, hatred and ignorance, in the midst of a crazy world, there's this other way of being, this other way of seeing things. And when we see the light within the dark, every day is a good day. Thank you.